Thank you for tuning in. You're tuned in to the Hang 'em Up podcast with Tyler Sadler and Nick Costello. Welcome back, all sports fans, to the Hang 'em Up podcast. We've got a really exciting episode tonight. Um, Jordan will not be with us, but uh, as we have tried to promise over a few weeks, we've got uh, our first special guest or guests. Um, tonight, we will be having uh, Miguel and Naya Pola. These are uh, two people that, uh, on a personal level, I came across a few years ago as a college coach over at Tennessee State. Met Miguel down in uh, Disney, one of my first few college, uh, or I guess, travel ball connections. And uh, it's a relationship that we have kept really close. Also in the process, without even intentionally meaning to, I started to recruit his daughter, Naya, uh, a fantastic athlete who, um, from the time that I got to see her at, uh, I guess, around 16 years old, has then blossomed and gotten to take her skill set to the next level and play at the college level and now making an appearance for the Puerto Rican Pan Am Olympic team. So super excited to have them on and kind of talk about their experiences um, through the years of sport and to uh, shed some insight to what's led them through their journey over the last few years. Uh, Nick, I'll pass it over to you to kind of get things started off, and then uh, we'll get Miguel and Naya in here to kind of talk about their uh, their years of experience. First things first, we want to give a massive shout out to DJ Robert Change for helping us create the podcast music. Uh, we also want to thank all of our listeners, as we've now exceeded uh, 500 downloads as of uh, this episode right here. Um, so yeah, we, we want to thank all of y'all the bottom of our hearts because uh without you we'd just awkwardly be sitting here talking coach talk um so anyways we appreciate you spending your time with us miguel i kind of want to jump into the first question for you and it's it's the same question i've asked you know the other guys as well why did you get into coaching how you guys doing um i am miguel let me introduce myself real quick so um (laughs) to answer your question um i kind of got pulled into it um I started coaching at an early age, um, coached some, a little bit of high school or actually pop Warner football when I was in high school while I was playing. But then, um, when I had my kids, my oldest daughter, Naya started playing and she got on one of the teams and there was no assistant coaches. So one of the, the head coach was like, I need somebody to help. I can't do this all by myself. So any of you guys have any experience? And I said, yeah, I have a little bit. So. I started coaching there. Um, she started playing softball at like 8U, and it was like second year 8U. But the whole time prior to that, we did a lot of stuff just playing, having fun in the backyard, you know, and, and in the front yard. You know, it kind of progressed. So we did a lot of wiffle ball, you know, just throwing the ball, letting her hit, uh, hit them, and that kind of So what got me into coaching, um, then it progressed from there, from uh, rec ball to uh, she progressing to travel. She started at an early age in travel, which I don't recommend. I think um, uh, softball players, at least from what I can tell, should probably start playing travel softball at like second year 12s. She started at like first year 10s, and um, it was a little bit early for her. She didn't want to go back to rec because they couldn't catch the ball. So she was really frustrated. She was one of the only ones that could. she would throw the ball, and um they'd always have to chase it and she would throw it right at them and they would throw it back at her and she would always have to chase. She was getting really frustrated with the rec ball. 
And then when she, she ended up getting asked to fill in in tens for a uh, travel ball team at shortstop because their shoe got hurt, broke their ankle or something. So she came in and played and she was like, dad, I like this team. I can play catch. I don't have to worry about chasing the ball. So that's kind of how we got into travel ball. And then it kind of progressed from there. You know, I helped there and then I helped at 12s and it kind of kept going. I kept on getting sucked in. I was trying to be the parent and let, let's just let her play. Let me just watch the games. I'm, you know, I'm going to go sit with my ice chest. But I kept on getting drawn in by the coaches and, and, you know, they kept on, hey, I know you, coach. I've seen you. Come on, help. The girls like you, whatever. So that's kind of how I got started. I don't know your background nearly as well as, as Tyler does, but, uh, so did you, were you in coaching prior to, to youth sports or were you, uh, a play, what, did you have a playing days? I, I played high school. Uh, I played high school ball, um, baseball and I played football. Um, so I was a two sport player, um, in a small little town, uh, in Bakersfield. So, okay. um, I, I played some quarterback. I, I pitched, I played some first base and I was a decent hitter. Um, but I understood the game and I understood that you had to be a, you know, a good teammate and you had to be, you know, it was a big team effort. And I learned how to coach, um, just by watching my, my coaches. I, I remember, I, and I still use this to this day. I remember my seventh, eighth grade PE coach. He, he was, uh, he coached us for football. And I remember he used to, that guy used to turn red in the face, Mr. Perry, never forget that guy. He's a legend where I grew up. And uh, Mr. Perry would turn red in the face and yell and, and, and everything else to get super upset. But he would always like touch kids on the head, like reassure them, hey, you know, you're all right. And I never forget that, you know, there's little things that I'll do. And, and now it's kind of you, you got to be careful touching kids and that kind of stuff. But, you know, in softball, I, I t I'll touch them on the helmet, you know, hey, you're good. Don't worry. You know, so little things like that. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I started. It's, it's funny you mentioned, uh, touching kids, like in, in that regard of like that subtle human contact. Um, that's something I, I picked up on, uh, and something I do with like our kids, even again, like three, four, five, six. Um, if I'm giving them hard constructive criticism, I always say, give me knuckles always just so they know that like, and it, it you could kind of see it on their face of like, Okay, he's not mad at me, right? And it's it's mm -hmm. it's a weird psychological of like human touch of like, yeah, I I gave you an earful and you could tell by the expression of my face that I'm I'm upset at the situation, but the little hey, give me knuckles, we're okay, we're, we're gonna you know we're not gonna do that again, right? And it there's yeah. it it changes their their facial expression of like oh, he doesn't hate me, like I I'm I'm not worthless type of thing. So it's it's yeah. I always tell kids it's never personal, you know. I mean it's never personal. You made a mistake, look past it, let's go. Come on, right? You know, mistakes. That's how we learn. You know, it's unique that you say though, Miguel, and and I'm going to spin this over to to Naya. You know, when you say it's not personal, um, the gravity, I feel like at times that the way the coach comes at the situation, it can't help but be taken, you know, personal. Um, and Naya, you know, outside of, you know, giving a brief intro about where you're at with your playing career and, um, kind of a two-part question off of this, Naya, you know, with, with Miguel being your dad, was it, um, you know, cause one thing Nick and I speak about and talk about now is like, what do the next few years look like when the kids really start understanding the game? 
you know, what was that journey like with your dad kind of being coach, but then also being dad, you know, uh, did, did you prefer that? Did you not even think about it? But then secondly, spinning off of that, you know, uh, as a player, what was, what would be the best coaching style that gets you to play at your best? Is it kind of a one-way street, my way or the highway kind of coach or the player's coach that's always with comfort? Um, you know, I know I'm throwing a lot at you there. So kind of just, uh, I guess answer as we, at, at will, but, um, but yeah, kind of talk about a little bit your dad's and, you know, relationship as dad and coach, and then, you know, your, your preference to coaching style. Um, I think when I was younger, I was like, dad, like, I just want you to be my dad. Like, I don't want you to coach. Like, I want you to be able to enjoy me playing because I'm only going to be like this young, like once obviously but mm -hmm. once i got to probably 18 like my last couple years of travel softball i really enjoyed having my dad there because i was able to he was he was able to be there with me like during the hard times of like my softball career and also like my really good time. So he was at my highs and my lows. So he was mm -hmm. able to help me as a dad, but also be tough on me, like at the same time. So I think it was really cool. Like having my dad coach me like towards the nice. end, obviously when I didn't really care for him and like in the beginning, I'm like, dad, just, just go like, let me, let me play. Like, let me have fun with my friends and stuff. Right. But I think like once I grew up, I was like, I'm so grateful that I was able to have my dad there and like he was my dad but also my coach like I was able to separate the two but like mm -hmm. I don't know I just really enjoyed it the looking question back is, was at I it. able to separate or separate the two that is an, uh, an interesting perspective that I'm, I'm curious about is uh Naya from your perspective did you feel like your, your father was able to successfully separate the two uh and coach you effectively but also be a father when you needed to be I think he did a good job. I think, yeah, I think he did because, you I'm know, this for the first time you guys. So, you know, <laughs> these questions you guys are asking, I may start crying here. <laughs> no, but um, he did. Like when we were on the field, I did see him as my coach. Like I looked at him as my coach, but like after the games, I'm like, okay, this is my dad. But he was there and like pushed me, like he treated me like, like all the other players that weren't his kids. So it was like, like, if I did something, he was like on my butt about it, which I liked. He didn't like baby me and like wasn't daddy ball. Mm -hmm. um, but then after games, it's like he was he was the dad after games. He didn't he wasn't like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? He was just like, hey, like, how do you think you did? Like, I thought you did good. He like he praised me for like my good. He also did be like, hey, you done this a little better but it's okay but during the game it was strictly coach and then right mm -hmm. after the game it was like hey like let's sometimes it was like let's just forget about softball like let's go have dinner let's go talk about other things so yeah, yeah. he did a good job of separating it miguel from your perspective do you think you were able to successfully separate the two so i think it was second year 12s um i was coaching we were playing in temecula and uh it's kind of about an hour and a half, two hours away from where we are. 
And I remember specifically, um, and I actually wrote a little article, not an article, but a little post on this on Instagram a long time ago. So I remember we were playing, um, I think we lost and it was like middle of the day and, and it was Sunday and we, you know, we were in bracket play and whatnot. And we, you know, it was, it was one of those, the car rides home. Okay. And I used to do this, you know, like, oh, you know, early on, it's like, oh, you, you should have did this, you should have did that, you know. And I remember we were on the freeway and we got on, a, on the freeway an on-ramp earlier than one of her teammates. So as we're getting on, as we got on, we're on the freeway and her teammate and her mom are getting on the freeway and we see them. And I am not kidding you. I remember specifically seeing the mom lighting the kid up in the car and the kid, you can't hear anything, but her mom's arm is flailing and the kid is, her head is down and the mom keeps looking back and forth over at the kid and just lighting her up. Kid, I don't, I don't remember specifically what happened, but you know, the kid didn't do well. We might've lost the game because I, I don't know what it was, but that is when my light bulb went off. And that's when I realized, you know what? These kids know that they did it wrong. I don't have to yell at them and tell them on all, you know, the hour and a half ride home. I don't have, you know, they didn't want to mess up. They're not trying to make a mistake. They're trying to please their teammates along with making their parents proud and their families proud. So why should I light my kid up? That's when my light bulb went off and I realized, I said, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. So we went home and I remember specifically pointing it out to my family. We were in the car and I'm like, look at so-and-so she's, you know, getting lit up. We get home the next weekend from then on forward, it was like 12s. I was and I, my, my question to her in, when we got in the car was always this. So how'd you do? It was always about how you think she did. I mean, how she thought she did. And mm -hmm. I tell you, she will, go two for four with a double and a single and maybe two RBIs, which in my book, that's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. But in her eyes was like, I could have done this. I could have done that. And I would listen to her and I would just say, don't be so hard on yourself. You actually did pretty good. There was one inning that you had all outs. You got all three outs. They hit the ball to you. You got all three outs. You got out of the inning, you know? So, those were the, some of the things that I learned from. And then from that day forward, I didn't ask that question. My, my question was that, you know, how did you, how did you do? Because the kids are going to give you their opinion. And then as a parent, I think it's real important to either emphasize they, you know, what, what they did positive, obviously. And, you know, let them know that, hey, you can forget about what you did bad. You know, you're going to get an, another opportunity, you know. So yeah. I just wanted to touch on that. So I don't think this will pull a tear, Miguel. Maybe you, I know Nia will be strong on this, but uh, I'm curious with the journey that y'all got to share. Um, and you can answer this however, uh, it could be an achievement. It could just be whatever. Um, but kind of talk about Miguel. I'll go to you on this first. Um, your most proud moment, your most successful moment, um, being able to watch your daughter play and or, you know, and you can, you can kind of share a story on that maybe talk about a story of other players that you got to kind of coach and impact, but one of the more like successful stories 
that made you proud that you, you know what, when I was asked and I got drawn in at 10, you, you know, 15 years ago, I'm so glad I said yes. Ah, so I just recently had two proud moments. Um, one was pretty recent, uh, the end of October, as you mentioned before, she was actually asked to play on team Puerto Rico and she made the Puerto Rican national team, Olympic team. And they went to the Pan American games and, um, she played the first couple games and then she kind of came in on the, the next couple games and whatnot. And then, um, they're now playing, they won their, their, their group and they ended up playing for the gold medal. And now here they're calling my kid's name for the gold medal game as the starting second baseman. Oh my God. I, I didn't know what to do. I just soaked it up, you know, and tears were coming out of my eyes. And and then when the Puerto Rican national anthem, they, they played the national anthems for both teams. They, were, they played USA, by the way, USA is stacked, like gone stacked. Um, they played USA and um, they played the national anthem for Puerto Rico. And that's when, I really got emotional um, because both my parents have passed away. Both my parents are from Puerto Rico. And for me, watching her play for not only my family and and her sister and her mother and myself, um, but just knowing that, you know, she's representing my parents. Oh, man, I lost it. Um, I don't know if she knew that, but I I was crying like a baby. I turned around and looked at my wife and she had tears coming out of her eyes, you know, so... Yeah, talk about proud. That was probably one of uh, most proud moments, um, and and it was like patriotic, you know. Mm-hmm. So on top of it as well. So um, most exciting moment though. <laughs> oh my God, um, I have a video of it. She played over UC Santa Barbara. Um, when she left UC Santa Barbara, she went into the portal. Everybody's hearing stuff about the transfer portal nowadays, especially about football. But she went into the transfer portal, and. Um, got picked up by a division two school, which is uh, Dominguez Hills here in California, which is about 30 minutes away from us, not too far. And um, she played all year, did really well. When she left UC Santa Barbara, I remember specifically her saying, like, I don't want to play softball anymore, I'm, I'm done. And I remember telling her, just graduate from there, just you know, quit softball, graduate, and just be a student and get your degree from there. And she's like, nah, mm-hmm. I can't quit. I'm going to just finish the season. So she finishes the season. She goes into the portal after the season. She gets picked up by Dominguez Hills. And um, she plays at Dominguez Hills, Does has a good year. And we're playing in the end of the year conference tournament. So um, she was hammering the ball all tournament long. And we played, we had to win Chico State two times so that we can win the championship. So we, the first time we had a, they hadn't lost. So we had, we had, did we lose? We, we had one loss. We had one loss. So we had to win them twice. So the first game was in innings and it was, I think it was one to zero. We won. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that one run came in like the third inning. It was no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It came at the the ninth inning. It, it, it was a walk off, right? And then uh, um, 
the second game ended up being 10 innings. And this is all the same day. Okay. Um, 10 innings. So here comes it's tie one to one. And it's going into the bottom of the bottom of the 10th. And two runners get on. And um, so runner on first and second. And the person who's up is Naya. And I'm like, I'm in the outfield. And I, I remember specifically saying when the girl who was up before her said, I told uh, one of the girl, one of the kids that were out there, I said, man, she just needs to get on base so that Naya can hit a home run and we get the hell out of here. Because it, it was a long day. Right. So sure enough, Naya comes up and there's two runners on. She takes the first pitch and the second pitch. And there was two outs. That's the other thing, too. Second pitch, she hits it over the fence. Nice. Oh, my God. They picked her up at home plate. I was screaming. My <laughs> wife was crying. I was dropping F-bombs like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I was in the outfield videotaping. I have the video. I'll send it to you guys. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Um, but it was such a great experience for her. Um, and just, uh, you know, every kid lives that dream, you know, you play in your backyard, oh, bottom, bottom of the eighth, you know, yep. bottom of the ninth, you know, two outs, runners over here, whatever, you know, and, and she yep. was able to do that. And I was like, holy crap. So that was one of my exciting moments. Sorry for the long winded story, but, um, no. you know, it, it was, it was a great experience. Um, we, we had a blast, so she's still got another year though. Hopefully we can pull another, another one of those out. Well, as this transitions over to Naya, I do want to plug this in that in 2019, when I was recruiting her, it was a big bummer when Miguel had to call and say, hey, by the way, Naya tore ACL. I was like, that's all right, man. You know, like, let her recover. I'm still going to keep eyes on her. And, you know, we still had all intentions of still trying to, you know, honor, you know, an offer. And then what was it, Miguel? Like, not even like it seemed like a year later within the year. Boom torn ACL again or other one. And, and so when, you know, guys, as y'all are going to get to hear from Nia a little bit more, it's an appreciation to hard work and really, really um, being dedicated to be an athlete um, that had two torn ACLs and still within a four year time period is being able to be nominated and being the starting second baseman or start, you know, in the starting lineup for your Olympic national team of Puerto Rico, such an awesome accomplishment. And I, if you want to kind of take a little bit to kind of talk about that or kind of just talk about your, like your journey, uh, some of your favorite youth moments, you know, things that, uh, you know, that you've been proud of, you know, throughout your career. Um, yeah. So as a player, I have dealt with so many injuries, like, it's ridiculous how many injuries I've had and still have wanted to come back because I wanted to play college softball. That was my thing. I was like, after my second ACL, when I found out I was crying and my parents were like, you know what, let's just be done. So you don't have to go through this again. You don't have to hurt yourself. And I was like, no, I'm going to play college softball. So let's get the surgery done so I can just get back on the field and get recruited. But yeah, it was it was a long journey for me, especially having back to back surgeries, because if you don't know, ACL surgery, like the recovery time is anywhere from 10 months to a year of not being able to play at all. 
Mm-hmm. So I was out for two years and I didn't get to my full potential hundred percent till I was probably my sophomore year of college. And I tore them my junior year of high school, my sophomore and junior year of high school. So it was just constant. Like I just got to work. I just got to put in the time and like figure out any downtime I had. It was like PT, do something to keep these legs strong. So I don't have to go through this for a third time or et cetera. Um, but yeah, so it was a long process for that. But if I didn't go through with my second surgery, I don't think I would have met all the amazing people I did in my mm-hmm. college career because I w- it would have cut off. I would have been like just a student, probably street from house going to JC. But yeah, I met a lot of amazing girls, people, teachers, everything. And I'm glad I did that. Um, what was the other part of the question? Kind of just, uh, you know, some of your achievements or some of the things, you know, at like the youth level that inspired you or a role model that inspired you to like, you know, have the aspirations to take it from, you know, rec ball to travel ball to then college ball, et cetera. I don't know. I think the person that like inspired me to keep going was my dad because it was always just me and my dad. I don't have Mm -hmm. like, I don't have family nearby to be able to be like, Oh, my cousins or Like, you know, I didn't have anyone that was close to me growing up. So it was always me and my dad like, hey, dad, let's go play wiffle ball. Let's go play catch. Let's go do something. Like, let's go mess around. So I think it was like my dad that got me to want to play softball and like really like it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. like I, I, you know, I'll kind of chime in on this. I think I think a lot had to do with the competitiveness. She was super competitive. This kid will compete to, you know, be the first one to the car when she was little. Right. She, she didn't. She was just born that way. I don't know what it was, but um, I think that competitiveness is what kind of pushed her. Um, seeing other girls play and her friends and stuff like that. Oh, I know I'm better than her. Oh, I know I can do this. Watch. You know, I mean, those are some of the things that I remember when she was little. Um, trying to piggyback off of what she's talking about. Um, now you you mentioned you got uh, a sister Naya. Were you and your sister, younger sister, a little bit uh, overly competitive about kind of stupid things like going first one to the car, uh, who could finish who could finish their dinner first, and stuff like that. Uh, yes, there still are. There was one thing that I don't think I'll ever forget that me and my sister would always compete for. So my mom would come home from work at around five thirty. And it's like, who can give mom the kiss like on the cheek the first, like the the fastest or like, who's the first person that's going to give mom the kiss on the cheek. So it's me and my sister, like we see her car pulling into the driveway and we're racing out the door, like trying to get to my mom's driver's side door. And it's like, hi mom, like, how are you? Blah, blah. And we're just like trying to kiss her. My mom's like, guys, like chill out. Like, it's okay. Like, like I love you both. (laughs) But that's probably like the one thing I'll always remember it's like me and my sister just competing to just go give my mom a kiss. Like, like we would compete about anything. Like we still do. So I've got, uh, I got two older boys um, and they just, they compete over the dumbest things. And uh, <laughs> like, for example, tonight they were fighting over who could catch the ball the most. Right. And my four-year-old's still trying to learn how to catch a football and it's just a, a soft, cushy ball. Well, they got in such a heated argument at one point I go, get over here. I go, take this. My oldest looks at it. 
what's that? I go, that's the trophy. That's what you're going to win. Nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you guys are arguing literally over nothing. Take it. Just go ahead and take it. They obviously didn't understand, but yeah, uh, it's funny because you, you deal with siblings and competitiveness and you could see how that translate into sports or just in life and business of like, oh, I want to be the best doctor out there. I want to be the, the best doctor in this program which happens both well my older brothers are are both doctors and they both went through that that sort of phase but what happened you, uh, you didn't want to you didn't want to compete with them on the doctor thing <laughs> no I, I couldn't become a doctor so i married one so there you go <laughs> that which was with the joke at our wedding so uh now naya you you clearly played um or still do play college ball uh i think one of the questions i was i was interested in was like the, your decision making process and I know every 18-year-old kid, um, I still call them kids. Uh, no, that's not politically correct, but that's that's what they are. Uh, goes through the decision process. I, I've I've never went on to D1 and play college, uh, anything other than college hockey, which was club sport. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I'm curious to know like what 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 went into your decision making process? What did you recall thinking about like is this really important or like what was all your friends kind of pushing or pulling you one way? What walk, walk us kind of through that, that logic. Um, so there were about five to six schools that were interested in me and there were D twos and IAs division one. And I know at the time I was very stuck on, I want to go division one. I, I know I can play at division one. And so that's looking at the offers. I'm like, okay, which division one school do I want to go to? Do I want to be far? Do I want to be close? And the two that I can remember right now off the top of my head was Tennessee State with Tyler and also UC Santa Barbara. And I just knew that I love being home anytime I can. So that was a big like decision. I'm like, if I go to Tennessee, I'm only gonna be here Thanksgiving, Christmas, and summer. And if I'm in Santa Barbara, it's a two, two and a half hour drive away from home. I can come home on the weekend if I want. And I think that's what helped me pick between the two schools and that's why I chose Santa Barbara. It was close. It was good education school. And they offered me to play softball. Um, if I could tell people in the recruiting process right now, like one thing, it would be, don't worry about the division that you're like, that you want to like go for. Like, yeah, division one is like the top. You want to play at a division one school, but maybe the D2, D3 NAI school is going to be a better fit for you. And I don't know. I think when I transferred, it was very eye-opening. And I was like, Division Two is still very competitive. And I could have saved myself all the mental things that I dealt with at Santa Barbara and still got to play at a Division Two. So it's like, go to a Division One school, deal with a lot of things that you shouldn't have to or go to a d2 d3 nai school and play have fun and don't worry about having to 
I think what she's trying to say is not worry about just the division and saying like, oh, I play division one, find a better fit for you. Um, yeah. You know, find a better coaching fit as well. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, she could have went to Tennessee state and probably if, with, if Tyler was there, you know, at the time it would have been a better fit for her. Um, her decision was based off of location mainly. And I think that's what I told, I mentioned to Tyler initially when, you know, when she took it, um, it was mainly, you know, coming home every weekend. We couldn't get this girl out of the house on the weekend, you know? So, and UCSB is a party school, you know? So every weekend, that's all they did, but she would always come home, which is fine. We, we were, we loved it. Um, yeah. but I think what she's trying to say is that, you know, finding a better fit, whether it's probably more coaches, even if it is at the division one level. We don't mean to leave you hanging here, but uh, that concludes part one of a two-part series that we have with Miguel and Naya. When we come back, we'll talk about Naya's love of the game, a travel ball and a college coach's relationship, as well as Naya's most impactful coach in her life. If you haven't already, go to Twitter or Instagram and find us. It's Hang em Up Pod. Uh, hang H-A-N-G-E-M-U-P-P-O-D. I think it's time that we hang him up. Baby, go sit for Cardi like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give up. Cause that's your birthday. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bug. Mama, I know what you need. If you need your silver bug. I'm in the eye of the sick. Now you gotta make it love. So come give me a hug. You gotta give me love. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bug. Mama, I know what you need. If you need your silver bug. I'm in the eye of the sick. Now you gotta make it love. So come give me a hug.